2: thank you for listening to knocking doors down brought to you by Kdd media company
0: if you if you know about conditions of any sort or if you experience one of yourself or you're you know uh, dealing with addiction or things like that you know it's not sexy you also know it's not a choice if it were a choice you'd just stop mm-hmm. it wouldn't be an addiction it wouldn't be a condition if I, if I if it was a choice I'd go well I'm not nervous anymore I don't have panic so I'm yeah. not gonna panic anymore you know how many times I've said that to myself it don't work
1: Here at Knockin' Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug-free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is presented by Podgo.
2: Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's Podgo.co. At podgo.co. And be sure to add the Knockin' Doors Down podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. This is Knockin' Doors Down, a podcast all about those who have taken their dark times and turned them into their greatest advantages your host jason the chance here of course i've struggled with alcoholism some childhood trauma and sexual abuse and over there my co-host mikey naraki yeah i got myself busted a time or two what are you gonna do and our guests are uh, people that have definitely turned their lives around and are doing something purposeful with any of their struggles we got two for you today two for two for one deal we got jamie bennington and austin gold yeah good people uh, a lot in common with jamie Yes, you do. Gotta say,
3: a lot in common with James. I mean, I know, you know, anxiety is uh, common, but it it was crazy to hear his stories because I'm like, dude, same, same, bro.
2: Well, we're going to discuss the movie The Chant, which Jamie directed and Austin starred in. Also, we will dig into uh, Jamie's childhood. His father is the uh, late Chester Bennington of Linkin Park, so he talks about some of those things that affected him in his childhood, including a substance abuse and addiction throughout his family, his mental health struggles. And Austin really breaks down kind of stepping into the mind of someone that has these mental health struggles and those challenges as an actor and really what he learned and took away from the project.
3: Yeah, I'm really looking
2: forward to seeing it. The way they were talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, and yeah. going to be a good one. And uh, we want you guys to get swagged out like us. If you check out all of our uh, social media postings, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on our YouTube channel, you'll see that we're wearing 5150 LTM gear. And it's simple to get the gear. Just click the link in the podcast description. Use the code KDD20 for 20% off. What's the code? KDD20. Sick. I can't, I can't. Welcoming to Knocking Doors Down, we got Jamie Bennington and Austin Gold. How are you, gentlemen?
4: Good, doing great.
2: Awesome, doing great. Well, of course, we're going to be talking about the the film you guys worked on together, A Chant. Um, but we want to obviously really highlight uh, mental health, some areas of addiction and stuff like that. And uh, well, why don't we uh, why don't we jump in a little bit to why this project was so important for you to put together, Jamie. I mean, you're really out there, you know, paving your own path and uh,
0: it's it's really compelling stuff. Thank you. I get weirded out saying I'm a pioneer, so I'm glad to hear somebody else say that. <laughs> no, but the, the film is really important to me, all jokes aside, because I uh, struggle with um, and I didn't know this until recently, but I'm undiagnosed borderline personality mm-hmm. disorder, which is um, a trauma based anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was I used to just binge read Stephen King. Like that's just what would happen. I didn't really have a whole lot of friends. I would just, I think I I did the math. I've read like something like 40 novels or something like that. And so this just, this one thing just happened to get, um, my attention. I was, I was listening to an audio book of it and the presentation of it was so interesting. Um, the film is based off of a poem called paranoid, a chant, which is only a hundred lines long. And I just expanded Mm. it and added my experience to it. Um, but it was really important for me to, to make something realistic in terms of the way it represented a certain condition or the topics of mental health and mental illness. Um, not just for myself, but for everybody else, I didn't want to, uh, make something that would put somebody say with paranoid schizophrenia in a bad light, right. because that would, that, that's my responsibility as a artist is to avoid doing that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. And, um, that's that's really where the idea came from is just you know getting my experience out there being honest with people about certain things and and also changing the way that film and television thinks about and depicts uh mental con- conditions yeah um yeah because we def- I find that they're a little lackluster <laughs> they
2: are and or we've seen them very much uh, as the comedic relief oftentimes
0: I always bring up the number 23, which is a Jim Carrey movie mm. and also a decidedly odd Jim Carrey movie because everything else Jim does is so, you know, awakened. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like, I I make the the reference that it's like a sexy joke. Like it's cool to be crazy. You know,
4: Sure.
0: I think by the end of the film, it's a very confusing film because it, it kind of gives off this almost fetishized view of mental illness and and the awareness of mental health. And that was the exact opposite of what I wanted to do. And I say it's an odd Jim Carrey thing because uh, Jim is known for doing things that are not fetishized at all, like Eternal Sunshine or, I, always, I bring up Horton Hears a Who, which is a classic. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a weird fetishizing of these kinds of things where people are like, yeah, you're, it's super cool to be like sick Like, Ooh, I have problems that makes me interesting, which is uh, a weird approach. I think, um, anybody going through it or even, um, you brought up addiction, struggling with addiction or anything like that. Like it's not really sexy. Yeah. Well, having a condition of any sort.
2: No, we've definitely done that within society of a lot of things. And and I know growing up in the generation I did that, you know, my heroes, no wonder I kind of fell to things. Of course, I had addiction in my family as well, especially, you know, with with my father and going through that. But I was like. All right, Nikki Six is my hero. That guy could pound a bottle of whiskey on stage. <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to yeah, do that too. And, you know? Uh, which, of yeah. course, you know, now sober, thank goodness. But, you know, it's like, hey, I, I did it. I did, like we were talking prior to recording the, the radio career. So there was many a rock stars that I, you know, hanging out with resulted in hangovers the next day or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's...
0: I mean, what's rock and roll besides rock and roll and booze and some Coke? I mean... <laughs> Come on, but sex drugs, you can't have rock and roll. and roll without those things. <laughs> mm.
2: uh, ironically, now you can. Mikey and I joke about that now. He's a big
3: skate- skateboard <laughs> aficionado and like all the skateboarders are sober. They're all sober now. They're all sober now. And going back real quick to the mental health and anxiety. I have crazy anxiety all the time. Literally not one day goes by where I don't have it and there's nothing sexy really there's nothing sexy no there's nothing sexy isn't
0: it it's kind of horrible right dude (laughs) it's horrible
3: and it's every day jamie it's every fucking day like something or it's almost like you don't want it to happen so that's nothing that's all that's on my mind is for it to yeah well yeah
0: it makes it happen exactly (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. madness breeds madness yeah it's a disease you know even anxiety is you know it's a it's a imbalance and I was talking to you about that earlier. It's like I, because I suffer with a lot of addiction in my family, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was asked if I ever succumbed to like substance abuse, and um, I, I said no because I would focus so hard on like not being an addict that I would psych myself out, sure. and I would give myself panic attacks, and I, I couldn't even smoke weed for like twenty years because I was just like I, I it would create my own. My own discomfort right. to the point where I was like literally giving myself seizures, which Holy is like shit. the craziest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. I could explain that, but please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You no, can't, you I, can't I just... open that. And see... I know. <laughs> I know. Right. Right. I gave myself like many seizures. It was, <laughs> it was super bizarre. And I thought forever I was allergic to pot and I thought I would just like freak out because I was having like an allergic reaction, you know? Um, and basically, I would smoke and then I would have such bad anxiety attacks which when i when i get anxious or i have like um like attacks my hand trembles oh same or i'll start rubbing i'll start like doing this like just rubbing my palm or like pulling on my clothes Mm -hmm. um i won't pick my nail buds but some people do or like they're um what do you call those things this part of your nail the cuticle um where people rip it off your cuticle yeah um everybody uh expresses it differently but that's mine. And so when I would get super stressed out and I'd smoke and I'd just be, like, super high, mm-hmm. I would start to, like, twitch involuntarily. And, like, I wouldn't have control over that. And, it, and essentially it equated to, like, many seizures. It was horrible. Um, I, I equated it to being, like, a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would throw up and get dizzy and all this crazy shit. And it's literally all psychological, because while, once I started, high. all
3: of my, this was while high. Yeah. Okay.
0: While I was high. And I, I thought, well, shit, weed's horrible. You know, I can't smoke this, this garbage. And then I would keep doing it. Cause I was like, all my friends would be like, well, dude, you, you know, like weed doesn't do that to you. And it turns out they're right. weed <laughs> does not do that to you. You do that to right. you. And it's a long road to figuring that out because it's a lot of trial and error. But the second I started figuring myself out, um, and realizing I had things to deal with I that stuff stopped pretty quickly sure which is mind over matters is real so
2: <laughs> well and and that's a lot of that impact of just of doing the work but at first you have to go yeah. through some sort of recognition and diagnosis or whatever it is of trauma um which yeah. sounding from I mean you know obviously with with your dad Chester you know his addiction highlighted but you said other family members so who was it? Yeah. Mom, uh, siblings, uh, yeah, my uh, aunts, parents. uncles? My,
0: my, let's see. Hold on. My my family is a web of things. <laughs> um, yeah. My, my first stepfather uh, was an alcoholic. My mom struggled with uh, hard drugs. And then my... Um, other parents, uh, I, I have a, my, my like definition of family is like the people that support you. So I call a lot of people by titles that people wouldn't typically get called by. (laughs) Um, my sister is my cousin, but we're not related. My cousin's my sister, but I don't, she's from a whole different family, two different cousins. See, there's a confusion already. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I I dealt like every, every aspect of my life was just filled with addiction. I lived in Glendale, Arizona, which was like, you know, the meth capital of Arizona. And, uh, I dealt with a lot of that. So, um, you know, I think every one of my role models dealt with something, you know, my dad struggled with alcohol and, and marijuana, even though marijuana is not addictive. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom was addicted to meth. My other dad was an alcoholic, you know, those kinds of things. So yeah. I, I was like, it was just one of those things where I saw how it affected people and I was like, I don't want to be that. Um, but I, I let it consume me instead of using it to better myself. So, you know,
2: no, I can lessons o- learned. I can only imagine that. Was there a lot of this stuff that occurred? Um, cause I'm not sure at what point your, your, your folks split up. So was it, was that, a traumatic thing to, to endure. And then kind of, you know, it's a, it's a crazy lifestyle of being a child of divorce period. I see it for my kids at times. Oh, though they
0: were never married.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So, so my mom and my dad were high school sweethearts. Would you believe it? <laughs> how romantic. How, how and, sweet. uh, they, uh, they had a really tortured relationship and they ended up, uh, my dad ended up, you know, leaving to go do his band and then my mom stayed home and she just didn't tell him she was pregnant so <laughs> oh shit i didn't mean my dad tell us eight literally the first time i ever met my dad i had no idea what he looked like i had no idea who he was um the first time i saw him he opened the door and he had the lip piercing
4: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: and the bleached tips and the black glasses you know before he went full rock star and got lasik and mm-hmm. um he had that leather jacket he used to wear all the time. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Sure. Oh, yeah. It was a black leather jacket. And he had this just like – just, but, like, he opens the door and he just seems so aggressive. And then he's like, oh, my God, you're so cool. I love you. Like, I'm such a nice guy. And it, it really is that kind of warmth. So it was very confusing.
2: <laughs> I had never seen
0: anything mean. like that in my life. How old, um, how old were no, you when I, that occurred? Uh, uh,
3: about eight.
0: Oh, wow. Keep so he
3: didn't thing. know about you either? Like he split and your mom
0: never no, knew when he was pregnant. He so he yeah, also he found know. out about you when you were eight? Well, it's it's up for uh, debate because some people, who <clears throat> oh, I won't name mm-hmm. because I'm smarter than that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they say that they tried from the moment I was born and then others say that they just didn't know. So, gotcha. um It's who knows. Sure. uh my my childhood is like a box of crayons if you left them in the sun too long mm-hmm. and like you can tell like some like oh that might be yellow and then other colors you're like what the fuck is that's not even a color <laughs> so i can't exactly linearize things the way that i would like to right <laughs> but right. um yeah i didn't meet him until i was eight a lot of people don't know that yeah that's... or they're starting to know that
2: yeah that i i did did that really affect you much as a kid did you think oh i you know i'm ab i'm out of the box you know my life is a little abnormal i know for me i felt like it with my childhood it was like yeah, something's really off here and i didn't really know my dad's addictions until he you know i was like 15 16 years old that there was any acknowledgement of it was yeah. that always kind of there an outsider just not really fitting in did you start to have some of those anxieties early on
0: in life I think I had the anxieties, like I expressed it outwardly, but I had no idea what an addiction was because I had dealt with people who normalized it. So yeah. like I had a lot of people who were drinking cat recreationally, but like also like definitely an alcoholic, you know, who considered a tall boy one can, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of stuff, <laughs> that kind of stuff where you're like, I don't know if it's a matter of me not understanding like that there were addictions because I definitely understood that. But I didn't understand the term addiction. I don't think because I didn't. I mean, I look at it this way. I didn't know I struggled from severe panic, depression, this BPD. um, Until I was 23. I stumbled on it by my own on my own. Actually, I stumbled across it officially when I was 24. And I came to the understanding that I needed to work on myself when I was 22, 23. So and that, that was all on accident. So You know, for me to understand that people had issues was uh, very difficult. (laughs) I didn't really understand what was going on most of the time.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, we're not even our brains not even reaching maturity until a really oh not not even close. Yeah. Are you kidding
0: me? I sometimes I'm still 13 years old in my emotional literacy. Same. (laughs) I got a lot of catching up to do. Welcome (laughs) to the club. So what was Austin knows. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
5: (laughs) And why do you say that, Austin? Well, I just—I uh, I mean, with the way that Jamie professes everything, he's very open, and uh, he—it really—it just kind of all goes <laughs> out and um, no filter. Sometimes, have, right, yeah. and you learn to appreciate it because, you know, I have a—I have a grandfather who—he's uh, around eighty-nine right now, and incredible. It reminds me <laughs> of that in some way, where it's just the constant freedom to say whatever and to walk into any sort of area and say oh you know this is what we're doing this is who I am and really anybody's there to like lend an ear for it because uh it's always something you know and that's that's kind of what life's all about in some ways you know like you got to you well, got to hear that person out at some aspects rather than to just well, see, completely...
0: Austin you've seen Austin see me grow i've known austin for about uh how long would you say exactly like a year and a half I'm two totally, years
5: now I'm totally, two years ago as of March so probably this we would have actually met yeah so
0: it we've known each other for about two years and I've I have changed so much and I've dealt with so much and he's been like in the sidelines just like dealing with me as I'm learning to like conversate with people (laughs) Uh, so he's seen some he's had some interesting conversations with me somewhere I just literally don't know what the fuck's going on and I'm just Uh, totally obtuse to the fact that I'm being difficult or like, (laughs) you know, hurt someone's feelings. Other ones I'm like, I don't care. You know, I'm being honest, (laughs) which is never like a good excuse, you know, like you got to acknowledge that like, maybe you're a bit harsh, you know? So, but it's funny because I, I, I talk about, you know, growing and whatever, and, and not knowing things. And Austin's definitely been part of the not knowing part <laughs> to some degree, especially working with me, you know, as a director. So,
2: all right. Well, oh, I can only under, uh, imagine in, a, in an artistic setting where you're trying to get something across, is sometimes, you know, a fucking filter just you doesn't have a place yeah. or something. And, you know, um, yeah.
5: Yeah. I think a lot of those conversations are delved into that. Like, I think more so Jamie and I have had those experiences where we're like, man, I don't, I don't know if we're connecting here on some things, but yeah. when it comes down to it, the full vibe is like, we're here to do this thing. And we both have the same accomplishments and goals that we want to make to where mm-hmm. it just feels more right. And if you have that passion that you lend itself to somebody else and kind of saying like, you know, take it, take a step back and, and really just have fun with it and enjoy the process of this thing that we call art, you know, and I, I'm, I, I just kind of walked into it, you know, he actually approached me and I, you know, I've just been super grateful ever since. And the conversations we've had have been so um, introspective and um, I've learned a lot as well. Like, it's not that, you know, we both were kind of having unknown answers and questions that, Might not have come up two years ago, no question. Yeah, that's just (laughs) just when you grow, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's just life in general.
0: Things change. I I, because I remember like like just like being the guy on set too, who's like trying to include everybody, but also being so with the chant specifically, being so like, well, this is also like a vision, you know, like there are certain things that are un unmovable. Like, I need you to act this way and uh, or be this way or see it this way. And some people, you know, sometimes it comes off as like, you know, fuck you, (laughs) (laughs) which is not at all what it is. Uh, I've had to explain that a couple of times, not to just Austin to like my DP or editor or things like that. Like, yeah, I'm lucky we got it. We had an editor who I was just like, I'd freak out and just be like, fuck, I'm going to freak out. I can't. And he'd be like, dude, 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 watch. And you push a button and fix something that I was concerned about. And I'd be like, OK, cool, cool. Yeah.
6: <laughs> sorry, sorry.
0: I'm just, I'm 24, and I'm just learning how to deal with my emotions. So if you, <laughs> if you could just be kind to me, thank you. <laughs> so was what great. was it that occurred
2: around that 22, 23, that led you to more of an ex, uh,
0: exploring? Dude, my dad died. Right. <laughs> my my dad my dad died by suicide which is um you know the that's the way um the vocabulary has changed for sure. example mm-hmm. in mental health um as long as with the mentality uh or this the um perception of mental health has changed uh we don't apply commit to a suicide because it's actually a criminal act to kill yourself yeah i don't know if you know that so if you die and you kill yourself they put like mm-hmm. a criminal mark on your death certificate and shit like that, which is like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it states it depends, but they definitely treat it as a crime because you killed somebody, which is like super backwards. (laughs) But um, the thing about um, the language is that it implies a certain agency or a certain kind of um, choice, I guess, which if you, you know, like again, I said If you if you know about conditions of any sort or if you experience one of yourself or you're, you know, uh, dealing with addiction or things like that, you know, it's not sexy. You also know it's not a choice. If it were a choice, you would just stop. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be an addiction. It wouldn't be a condition. If I if I if it was a choice, I'd go, well, I'm not nervous anymore. I don't have panic, so I'm not going to panic anymore. You know how many times I've said that to myself, it don't work. <laughs> Gosh, yeah.
3: what I would give Boy. for it to be a choice and never have to deal with this again. <laughs> right. Um, amazing, Gosh. right? If there's an off switch, are you fucking Seriously. kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I've tried but, all those things. But... And you'll get the people yeah. who don't understand, like, well, dude, just, just relax. And I'm like, oh, OK, relax, fuck. Why didn't I oh, think Oh, yeah, that? relax, it's OK, yeah. sure, I'll fucking relax. I'll just relax, relax. Thank you. anxiety's yeah, gone. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Must I'll, have been at the top yeah. of your fucking class. <laughs> I'll manifest
2: that, that this second, just like I would, oh, five million dollars. Boom, done. Thanks. (laughs) You know, it's like, fuck.
0: No. I And the thing is, is like, I have to, I especially when I met my partner, I had to very seriously be like, you know, because when I when I have my episodes, I get really loud and um, I'm not yelling, though. Like, I'm not. It's not my intention to like Mm. belittle you or scream at you or whatever. It's like, that's just what I'm capable of. I don't have like anything else. I'm just I'm at 11 and I stay at 11. And then when it's over, I'm at zero. And that's it. There's no, there's no intermediate. And for Mm -hmm. some people that's different. I have to tell them, you know, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not doing this. And it's not my choice. Like if it was my choice, I wouldn't treat you like this at all, but I don't have a choice in that. I freak the fuck out and I freak out and I have to deal with it. So I remain accountable, but I do do things that I regret sometimes. And I think everybody in any situation that I just described goes through those moments. Um, And the thing is too, is like, when you say something like, well, they committed suicide, it's like, Okay, so you're telling me that my dad, for example, had the desire to leave his family, go to his room, and then hang himself. You're like, oh, shit. That seems like a really crazy choice, (laughs) you know? know? He was home for like 12 hours. I don't think things slipped that fast except for they do. Right. And if it were a choice, he would choose for it to not slip that fast. Mm-hmm. But sometimes being alone for just a little bit, if you're, especially if you're not coping correctly, mm-hmm. um, it, it does take less than 12 hours for you to freak the fuck out. And if you're alone and you're somebody, I believe my dad probably had something like BPD or something like that, uh, with my experiences with them, um, that it doesn't take much to just hate yourself and then jump into it and really punish yourself for it so it could have been something it could have been anything i'm not going to speculate on what the cause was because i don't know but you know to say like he chose that is like saying that he chose to react to something <laughs> you know yeah. people don't choose to react unless you're like really into meditation or something where you're conditioned to the point where you can choose not to react Uh, that's different but most people don't have that that Mm. conditioning so you know reactions are exactly that they're off the cuff they're like all right well that happened now i'm interacting with it and I i didn't think about it and so when you change the language like died by you take it away from them that agency it's it's more of like you succumb to a moment of irrationality instead of a moment of choice which is wholly different but um you know One of the things I'll say, which I've always said, is that I don't, I've never criticized my father for ever doing what he did um, because I know how hard it is to commit to something at all. And I know he committed to the recovery route for so many years, you know, and it wasn't working for whatever reason. And so I was never upset with him for dying or going out the way he did. I was upset for the way he treated people when he was here, Mm. you know, and that, and that to me was where I started making the connection for myself was like I was ignoring the grief yeah. because I didn't want to give what I thought at the time was maybe like pity towards somebody who was cruel to me because they chose not to be aware of their cruelness mm. or that that's the way I saw it at the time. Absolutely. Um, and I kind of just blocked the grief out and I was like, I don't need to deal with that. Whatever the fuck, I don't care. My dad's dead. Who gives a shit? Like that kind of mentality, which I think a lot of people go through naturally, Mm -hmm. even if they did love the person and they did have a good relationship, they're still like, well, fuck that guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think over time, you know, the different stages of grief, you know, it came to my attention that not only was I unaware of like my true feelings on the matter, but I was unaware of the things that were like driving my everyday I would succumb to massive panic attacks uh, where I would like be on the ground in public, just like in a ball, just like crying for no reason. Just because I heard a phrase somebody said in passing where I just it's it related too much to my life at the time or too much to the death or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would walk around the neighborhood and like punch my own hands. I would just be blasting last shadow puppets just in my ears at like top volume walking at full full speed around the neighborhood at like 2am just like yeah just trying to like ground myself to the feeling isn't sure. right right yeah. isn't that you you can you know exactly what i'm saying because you can feel mm-hmm. it yeah, um <laughs> and i'm just like trying to get out of this because the panic attacks were so baseless for me i was like i don't, I don't understand mm-hmm. like why am i having these yeah. and then i realized like A lot of things. One, I realized that all my emotions were different degrees of anxiety. I didn't really know what it was like to be happy or excited or anything like that. Because even when I got excited, I was still freaking out Mm -hmm. about things. Like I would get panicked over it, not excited. I would be like, "Oh yeah, I can go." You know, I I I can kind of equate it to like when you go and you meet some star that you like. Oh, you've always loved. Sure. And then you're like, "I'll be cool," and then they show up and you just irrationally (laughs) are like, "Oh my god." I'm like drooling on myself, and i can't I can't hold my hands straight as I'm trying to shake their hand, you know, sweating yeah. like a motherfucker. <laughs> and it's like it's like that where you're like, you think it's one thing and it's another.
4: right.
0: And so it's panic for me at all times. And I realized that all my feelings were one feeling, just different degrees of that feeling, which yeah. brought me to the point of being like, well, what is what are feelings then? Like what am i what are feelings for me? Because if anger can be sometimes confused with super excitement or, being sad can be you know and withdrawn can be equated with being contemplative and you know and just self-thought neither one's good or bad then what the hell am i thinking about in terms of happiness and sadness or achievement versus failure things like that and that got me thinking about a lot of things and then there was the fact that i actually was sad that i was like grieving my dad because if you're telling yourself you're not sad that your dad died, no matter how bad that relationship might've been at times you're lying because you always feel it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you agree with the feeling. It just means that you feel it. Right. And, um, and another thing I realized was like, that was super unhealthy of me to be doing that kind of like, you know, heavy metal, you know, self punishment and, You know the twilight hours (laughs) i realized like i'd been spending too much time doing that i needed to really think about it and uh come up with some you know strategies and that is around the time when i started writing a chant and started working on my own image and, and at that time too i was heavily bogged down with like everybody like um very like bittersweet a lot of people were on the extreme ends of the spectrum in terms of reactionality and emotion yeah. following my dad's death yeah. they were like we love you you're so cool you look and sound and act just like your dad you should be in the band and oh my god you didn't stop him stop him from killing himself you're just a fucking horrible person i'll uh-huh. kick your ass or you should go kill yourself yourself and i'm like what the fuck like pick one do you love me or do you hate me yeah and it just happened to be that i was at the age where where i was visible but not identified as my own person and so i got a lot of that pressure and i realized like well then i need to start carving out something for myself
2: yeah well thank goodness because i can't do
0: that for fucking ever
2: (laughs) no i can't imagine like what and that's you know just listening to you and what you went through it it reminds me of the states that i got into in in struggling with my addiction and where my mind went Mm and 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 almost and when you talk about certain situations you know i don't know if you've looked into suicidal ideation but it often oh i was highly yeah okay so In, in
0: uh yeah, I was in deep.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you know what that too, like w- with addicts, we go through that stuff too. It's like, yeah. okay, I can get clean, and I've tried that shit, and it's not working, or I can keep using, <laughs> which will eventually eventually kill me, or I could just kill me. That's like that's the, my, or t- take my own life because I want yeah. out of this torture. And people don't realize the place that's so far. Oh, that's the mind that's goes. what I I
0: talked to my dad about. And that's that's great that you brought that up because the last time I spoke to my dad one on one. Uh, It was about six months before he passed, and I I had said, you know, a lot of my – I didn't realize that my psychological health was in such disarray because I didn't know what psychological health was. I didn't know what mental health was. Um, And I was – all of it expressed itself physically in me, and so I would be like – you know, again, like the the tremors and the rubbing and the pulling on things. I would would self-harm by hitting myself. I didn't even know that was self-harming at the time. I didn't, because it's all like, it's all, it comes to the point of like the body breaking down at that point where you're doing that. So I didn't even consider it something that was my choice. That I did that. It was just a matter of like I couldn't handle anything anymore, mm-hmm. and um, so I just did whatever my body was just like you know. It's like when you poke a snake and it like re- has reflexes. Like it's exactly re- reflexive. So I was curve. speaking to my father. Yeah. So six six months before he died, I had I, because these things ex- because these things express themselves physically for me and not necessarily inside, which is a total bullshit. Because once I realized that both were happening at the same time. Uh, it's pretty obvious, but at the time it wasn't obvious. Um, I I told him I called him up. It was like one of our like better parts of our relationship. I called him up and I was like, I don't know what to do because I suffer from so much anxiety and panic and indecision that I I physically feel pain like i would have this throbbing in my chest like my heart was going to collapse like every fucking day and i realized like that had been my life every day almost as far back as like probably when my mom popped me out i don't know Mm -hmm. i imagine it was something as far back as that um and I told him, I was like, I don't want I, I wasn't suicidal. I had suicidal ideation definitely at play in my life, but I wasn't suicidal. It's different to be like, I wonder what that's like versus I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't even know that was something I did as a kid. I played a game called what if, where I would just like imagine the most like painful things happening to me, just to, like what it would feel like. Um, and they all obviously ended in death or it wouldn't be suicidal ideation, but the, um, or maybe that's too specific. I would like that. Let's just say that's what my thoughts were on it at the time. Um, Not, not to like put too fine of a point on it, leave some room for interpretation and and definition. But um, I told him that I was like, I'd rather not be here. Like I'd like if it means that I don't feel this way anymore, then I would rather it not feel that way anymore. I don't know what to do. So you know, and I told him, I was like, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not planning anything. I'm just saying my feelings. Like I'm hurting so bad. I'd like it for, for it to stop. I don't want medication. So do I die or do I, is there a different solution? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry, buddy. And then six months after the entire six months following that, he uh, never said a word to me. He actively avoided me Mm -hmm. and then he was dead. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, that's rough. So, and, and I, I don't hold it as a personal thing, because I already—I mean, look what happens. He was going through a lot himself, so you know, it's like I'm not even going to start to think about or assume like what he was going through during that that yeah. period. It's probably the
2: the you know, and we can make assumptions. Maybe the distancing because of yeah, where his mind was at, and w- yeah, without wanting well, to be also vulnerability you know, I, as well.
0: Fitting image here. I, yeah. I'm his clone pretty much, and uh, the only thing is, I, I actually you know, this, this is, this haircut is not a choice. And, uh, and I have a full fledged beard, which you could never grow. I had this at 13. You know how mad he was? <laughs> oh, shit. I'm
3: 32. I still can't grow a beard. So
0: it's okay. I think the mustache is working. So uh, I appreciate good. it. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: I was, yeah, about the same. This started pretty early. In yeah, life. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. yeah.
0: Now I I've looked like, uh, an unkempt gorilla for most of my life. Uh, it's it's been unfortunate. I mean, the harassment, you know, the harassment. Yeah. <laughs> kids aren't nice. Let me tell you. Oh no, they're they're, but, um, they're fucking cruel, man. Oh fuck yeah! Oh yeah, and, and then have a famous dad throw that into the mix.
2: Oh god, I can only imagine.
0: All of a sudden, you're at a you're at a school event, and 15 kids who refuse to hang out with you during recess or telling them you're his, that they're your best friend and they just want autographs.
2: Right.
0: That kind of shit will fuck with you.
2: They'll I not get a little imagine. scattered. I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. You're an asshole to me now until it's circumstantial and you want to obtain something. I see how you are. Go fuck yourself. Oh
0: yeah. And it's, it's crazy. Cause you look them in the eye. You're like, bro, I literally asked you to play fucking tetherball with me 20 minutes ago. And you said, no, And then you spit. No, I'm just kidding. You you said no. Uh, And uh, and now you're telling him that all you ever do is think about me and how I'm your number one priority as a friend. Like, come on, man. Give me a break. Yeah. You're ten. That's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. You need to go home and
2: get more parenting. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, come on, man.
0: Give me a break. And no, you cannot ride the Ferris wheel with my dad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, hey, thanks for being vulnerable there. I, I my, my yeah. daughter was a, a big fan of your dad's work, and you know, uh, as many a fans, you know, she's a young lady. She's only twelve now, but was hurt by it. And I. I Uh, had met your father once uh haven't had a 20-year radio career so appreciate you being open for that because hopefully if people are anyone that's tuning in on for whatever reason that they're really hearing that nothing i'm going through
0: is unique it's not unique and that's the thing it's like it, it doesn't matter uh whether my dad was a world famous um rock of fame guy it doesn't matter because ultimately my situation is no different than austin's it's no different than yours Mm -hmm. it's no different than anybody else and and that's the point of the the body of work i'm building is that you know these things we shouldn't be anything but vulnerable with
4: absolutely Um,
0: and expect that that reception that same level of reception and openness in openness um as you know we are vulnerable yeah
3: so Jamie, have you? Um, yeah. Because backing up, I I had no idea, but apparently my grandma had been on Valium her entire life, pretty much. My mom, oh, she has anxiety on Xanax and stuff, so it's yeah. hereditary. And my sister and my dad, they have no idea yeah. what anxiety is. They oh, just calm down, you're fine. But for me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have it so. I've actually gone and you know talked to therapists and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it it helps it helps. So my question to you is: Have you do you seek out professional help as well? Because I said I heard you no. say you didn't want to take anything or anything like that. No,
0: so. I didn't want uh, medicine. Right, uh, right. I didn't want to mess with my biochemistry in sure. any capacity. Sure. Because sure. that stuff not only has long lasting effects, but it can permanently mess you up if it's wrong. Absolutely.
4: So
0: the whole like I know there's a there's a whole like um, Cause I have friends who are medicated. Mm-hmm. They, they have to go through regimen shifts. So, you know, it's not just trying one medication. It's trying a cocktail of medications over a long period of time, then cycling through another one and another mm-hmm. one until you find something that works. But at that point you kind of have to ask yourself too, like, well then, how much of me is just adapted to the medicine and how much of it is the medicine working for me. Sure. And so that's always been something that I've been mindful of, mm-hmm. uh, especially with addiction in my family. It's like, right. I don't want to get on these, these heavier drugs, these antidepressants and things um, with the possibility of being addicted at any point. I had, it's hereditary too, you know, Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah anxiety, di-
0: addiction, all that stuff, depression. Uh,
4: yeah. um, and
0: Traumas so even. I, Oh, tra- Oh, it's, yeah. it's down to the cellular level. you, it, Uh, Toxic Stress, uh, Dr. Nadine uh, Mm Burke-Harris, The Deepest Mm -hmm. Well. Mm -hmm. Check that shit out. Easy book. Beautiful. It's the first half of her career. And she talks about toxic stress, which is something that um, we're actually, Austin and I are working on with our next projects is is toxic stress and how that permeates people. Uh, We'll get into that a little later. But um, wait. It's happening again. <laughs> God damn, today's just not my day. Well, some days I could just <laughs> I could go and go and never get caught up. And some days I just – But you were, to, wall.
2: You, you were talking about medications <laughs> in the context of yeah, the, the uh, changing no, yeah, your chemistry. Not self-medicated. And, yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know if you could believe that with how much i'm forgetting things but <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm currently sober can. i'm not on anything um <laughs> i but yeah basically what my mind turned to is you know i'm a huge david lynch fan and this might have actually come from him i have no idea of knowing where it came from um i just embrace it for what it is because it's important and when i i found that when things happen like that it's fine to ask questions but it's also just fine to accept it Mm -hmm. um he practices transcendental meditation yes which is i've never practiced tm but i i started realizing like well i i actually resonate with a lot of the things he's saying i also resonate with a lot of the teachings of like meditative people in general like buddhist monks um and people of that stature where i'm i'm like listening to their tenets and i'm like you know that that actually makes sense i'm also watching ted talks on toxic stress and the way the mind perpetuates itself and how OCD works versus I had, I suffered with a retro jealousy for a while, which if you don't know what that is, Mm -mm. it's like an OCD of the mind um, specifically geared towards past relationships that your partner has been in. So it just drives you crazy. And, and part of that's part of the BPD too, but it's a specific thing in its own right, which maybe isn't exclusive at all. Um, Who knows? I mean, I'm sure there's research done on it or there will be at some point. But um, you know, those things are very difficult to navigate. And I realize like a lot of it comes from my inability to establish not just myself, but my own values and keep them st- stable, no matter what the interference is. And my family is the definition of interference. (laughs) It's a lot of people always trying to scramble communications, make things ambiguous, muddy things up. There's no clear line of thought, a lot of gaslighting and stuff like that. Oh shit. I know Um, that all too well. Yeah, it's hard. And, and so when I realized that, I realized like, well, okay, so a lot of the ways that my brain is conditioned psychologically and in terms of chemistry being conditioned to deal with situations is to constantly flip flop and not really know what to do with information. And so my study became, well, how do I find a way to stabilize my internal psychological and biochemistry, you know, atmospheres? And how do I, how do I do that without medicine and can I do it without medicine? And so then it became not only an interesting thought experiment, but something like a challenge, like, Okay, so most people don't do this because it's really, really difficult or impossible. So let's see how impossible it
4: is,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which is like super dangerous. And now that I know I have BPD, which I treated as depression for a while, um, now that I know I have BPD, I'm actually surprised that I didn't end up dying by suicide because it's like the number one cause of suicide Hmm. in in terms of mental conditions. It's one of the leading causes. Like most people with BPD consider life a like an inescapable prison that will only the only way you'll get out is through more pain and i've i've even spoken to people with bpd and they're like yeah you're not supposed to do meditation because you you ramp yourself up like you do all these things and 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 like you'll end up feeding into your own delusions and i'm like dude but did you ever sit down and think what your delusion was (laughs) yeah you know and uh that's where a lot of my health came from is like understanding two things you're stress response systems can be massively misaligned from the time you're born or misaligned and then realigned and then misaligned multiple times throughout your entire life. Um, So in terms of, you know, you, you, you may have a hereditary disposition, but it also comes down to, and it might be something like bipolar, which is strictly chemical, Mm -hmm. um, or it could be something like BPD, which is not strictly chemical. It's based in trauma. So you're not, you can be born with it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's it's something you have to equal out with chemical treatments, right. uh, like something like bipolar. Um, and instead, you can actually psychologically extract yourself from the situation. And that's what I've started doing more recently is like looking into certain philosophies. Right right now, I'm studying the Yoga Sutras, which are excellent in re, realigning the brain and, and how we interact with ourselves, the society we're in, the world that we live in. Um, so, maybe you might want to check that out and see how, how that goes. Right now, it's yeah. a pain in the ass. <laughs> I struggle constantly. At least three days a week, I have a nuclear meltdown. And um, that does not include uh, my artistic fire. So, sure. those are, they sound similar, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, getting people to understand that though is a big, a big deal too, is like understanding when I'm able to now say, well, I'm, I'm actually going through something right now versus, sure. Oh, I'm just sticking to my guns. <laughs> yeah. That's a, huge uh, step. which, yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. And I, and I mean, I have a partner who sticks by me no matter what. So it's like, I could, I could like that's have awesome. a nuclear meltdown three days a week and just be like, okay, so we could, we're still good. We're still going to watch. My name is Roll later. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We'll be back with Jamie Bennington and Austin Gold discussing the chant a little more in depth, the challenges that Austin Gold had in stepping into a role of an individual that had some mental health challenges, as well
1: as random questions strengthening communities providing resources building awareness empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success this is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about through our campaigns the race for autism race to end the stigma and race to be drug free we're able to help so many in need our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise learn more and find out how you can get involved visit Carlos VieraFoundation.org today, which we
0: are watching right now, and it's phenomenal. By the way, I it, understand it why Fox hated it. We, <laughs> and I like,
1: underst-
2: absolutely love that show. <laughs> we both like Austin, Jason have you Lee. Seen
0: that? Yeah, it's just. Have you seen My Name Is Earl?
5: Oh, Austin. What's that? Have you seen My Name <laughs> Is <laughs> Earl? <Have laughs> you seen
0: My Name Is Earl? Oh,
5: no, I have not seen it.
0: Basically, uh, <laughs> it's about a guy who gets who gets inter- his life is intervened by karma. He's a bad guy. He does bullshit. things to everybody all the fucking time. And he gets hit by a car after he wins a lotto and he loses a lotto. I forgot. And then he's like, the yeah. premise. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he's like, he's like, I am a fucking horrible person and I'm going to do everything I can to make it up. And then the second he makes it up, he gets the lottery back. And then the show is like him dealing with the entity of karma. And he has a list, right? He yeah. has a list. Yeah. And he has a yeah. list of things he has to make up for. And he, every episode's him making up for something.
3: Right. It's right. And, right. Uh,
0: it's, it's so cool. So it's so good. And, and it was on Fox and NBC has the rights now. And I can understand why no episode on IMDB has a rating higher than 7.5 <laughs> because they are so critical of the American society that we're yes. in right now. There was a there's a line. I brought it up in, a, in another interview because it's just that fucking good. They have the, the main black character on the show. Look at the camera and and talk about voting.
2: Yeah, it breaks where, the fourth wall. And, and I'm right. not being
0: political. I promise. It's just a great timeless line um, where, you know, they're like, hey, my dad's running for mayor. You want to help us vote? And he's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, the GOP makes really bad decisions. And until the Electoral College is, you know, uh, <laughs> redefined, I don't feel comfortable voting for anything because really anything I say doesn't matter. And he's just like looking straight at the camera and you're like, Oh my God. And every episodes like that, there's just some, Uh, some ethnic, like, you know, minority character who's just fucking like ripping the United States. And they're just like, you know, it, obviously Fox ditched it at some point because <laughs> <Right, yeah. laughs> NBC has it. Yeah. Cause but they just really shut it the fuck too.
2: down. Actually. It
0: just was like, we're yeah, stopping it, it. It hit four seasons and it was done, but it had a solid run every, every oh, season yeah. has about 20, 24 episodes. I think the last one was 27. Yeah. And so they got the runtime. They just, they just, and it's written by a guy named Greg Garcia. I mean, come on
4: <laughs>
3: Garcia.
0: Are you fucking kidding me? Well, like and Fox Jason definitely Lee, had a feel to...
3: fun fact is that a former professional skateboarder. <laughs> So <laughs> I fucking yeah, love girl. Jason Lee. He's I love so Jason cool. Lee, dude. He's hilarious. He's so
0: cool. I don't <laughs> think the Chipmunks movies were good, but I love Jason Lee. <laughs> yeah.
3: I didn't care for the Chipmunk movies He either.
2: killed it in the in the Kevin Smith movies for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, but, absolutely. But the, He's a character. It's interesting you bring that up because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't not watched the show since it was first released, but, the you know, the premise and, and Mikey asked, oh, the list. He really did almost have an attitude of the 12 Steps that often people do with naaa and you know the making amends and the the
0: changes and he even fucks up yeah Mm -hmm. he even fucks up Mm -hmm. there are there are whole moments in the show where he just relapses and he's just a horrible fucking dude yeah Yeah. and then he's like oh my god that was crazy i'm just crazy that was crazy please forgive me i'm gonna go back to my list now but there are like moments where he's like super altruistic and then moments where he's just a total fucking wreck and he's like purposefully burning the world down and you're like that's so relatable. Like they're super honest about that. No matter mm. how, how cartoonish or how satirical it is. Yeah. Cause um, we, but all that's exactly what it is. We all, well, have that's that what ability. I'm saying is, yeah. that, is that my, one of my goals personally is understanding meditation, doing the yoga sutra work, going through these things. Cause that's also like my 12 step mm. is like going through these and understanding the tenets and really practicing them, working them. I'm going to, I am reading this book multiple times. Like, you know, meditating on it, doing the yoga, the actual yoga work, you know, and, and it is a practice. You do have to maintain yourself in it. And that's actually one of the interesting things about the show too, is that karma is not actually the way that it's been described by most people who describe karma. Karma in the yoga tradition is actually more defined as my understanding goes reading this book, um, is that, um, and, and the guy's a PhD in yoga sutra, so I, I trust them. Um, it's, you know, karmic, karmic um, intervention is not a godly force, although it can seem like one. What it is, is it's a deeply ingrained conditioned behavior that you're undoing, which is what karma is. The more you do something, the more likely you are to do it again because you're conditioning yourself to be put in those situations, to have those reactions, to do that work. And so you can have positive karma, which is good work, like what wow. Earl does with his list, mm-hmm. or you can have negative karma, which is getting hit by a car and losing your lotto ticket. <laughs> Could
4: you <Yeah>. imagine? So. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, that would be sure. fucking horrible. Could you imagine?
4: Gosh.
0: Well, I've I, been hit by many cars and it's not fun. And I definitely wouldn't want to be hit with a fucking lotto ticket in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> not the winning one. Uh, not the winning
2: one. But, <laughs> but no, you, wow, you bring up that. such a great point. in uh, karma. I don't, I think we've only ever discussed it one other time with the lady who was a, a yogi, but, um, and a boy thinking about it as it could relate or does relate to the 12 steps or just in life in general. Yeah. Cause one of those things is the, the utter honesty. And that's one of the things that really compelled me, uh, Jamie is that you, yeah. you're able now to recognize if you're kind of having an episode that you can let people know, because, Hey, I got the yeah. honesty with myself and now I can let the world know of what's going on. So it's kind of like, yeah. instead of where it could just shit on the whole situation, now people go, oh, well, you know, he's a good dude. He's honest about it. He's just having a, a time. Cool, man. No judgment. Hey, you know."
0: Right, right. You can better appreciate someone's condition or situation when you understand that it's not personal and you can take a step back from it.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Because then you remove yourself and you're like, wait, wait, wait they're having an anxiety attack and they're screaming at me or they're treating me in some weird way that has nothing to do with that person that I know of. Like people change when they're in those situations and yeah. that's why it comes off as a threat. Right. That's yeah. why people are like, Hey, what the fuck dude? Why are you attacking me? And you're like, I'm not attacking you. <laughs> just freaking out. But it's like, that's why people take it so aggressively is like, you don't, because it's not apparent yeah. that something has changed. It's a more like, well, then you must've always felt this way or you must've always been this way. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's quite temporary.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So so
0: just bear with me here. (laughs) During
3: my attacks, I'll just – I need to be alone. I don't yell. I don't get loud. I just need to be alone in a dark room. Give give me 20 minutes. Just hang on. Yeah. Just give me 20 minutes. See, I never learned that lesson. See, well, it wasn't – it's not like a way I cope. It's Well, I guess it is, but – it's not like, okay, I'm acknowledging that I'm having an attack, I'm gonna go be myself. It I, yeah, wasn't I like understand. that. It yeah. was just like, I need to get away from everybody. I need to, that's why airplanes. I don't like airplanes. Right. Not because I'm afraid the plane's yeah. gonna go down, just because I'm yeah. I'm in this tight little spot yeah, where you're close. however long your flight is. And I yeah. can't just get up and walk away. You know what I mean? I no. and if I do, I'm disturbing four other people <laughs> to go to the bathroom or something. Always
0: get the aisle seat. I know. I know. For the <laughs> sake of yeah, no, anxiety, totally get
2: understand. the aisle seat. But, uh, Johnny, son of a bitch, likes the window. I know.
3: Yeah. So that's how it is. It's like you need to ju- – <laughs> well, well, not that's, you, yeah, but that's, a problem. <laughs> that's how I handle it. I just go yeah. be alone for just give me 20 minutes, you know, and then I'm good, but –
0: yeah. Dude. dude, And that's my problem is I like to talk. I like to explain it. I don't like people thinking that I'm one way over another when I'm not, especially mm. if it has nothing to do with them. Sure. So the reason I get loud is because I'm trying to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Which get is super it. antithetical to the point because I'm like, I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to get you to understand, you know, just screaming mm-hmm. and they're like, dude, well then why don't you just say it? I'm like, I am saying <laughs> it." like, well, I can't handle this because now I'm being triggered. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, oh shit. All oh, right, well then I got to fucking, so... you know, which is why my practice is super helpful for me. The mindful meditation is where it started. Now I'm with yoga sutras. Right. Is that like ability to go, well, oh, now I'm teetering or now yeah. I, oh, I noticed that I feel this way because of this thing that was said or, you know, whatever, because then I can kind of go, Hey, Hey, look, not a thing right now. It's not. I needed a second, and it's still hard for me to do that. And I've been trying for three years. all yeah. right <laughs> Yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but, but- it's like being addicted though, because I like the pain. I think a long time ago I realized that the pain was supposed. To, I confused it, right? Conflated it, because in my family pain is the norm. So I was like, well, then being in pain is the normal happy.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So if I'm not, I found that too. The more I meditate, the more I was like, well, I'm peaceful right now. Yay! I'm at neutral, and also my my body's just like. Hey, bro, hey, hey, did you remember to pay that bill? Mm-hmm. Hey, no, I know you just paid it. No, I know. But did you want to check again? I don't know. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe you didn't get it. Did you lock the front door when you left? <laughs> hey, did, yeah, did you lock the front door?
3: How many, many door times closed? I've had to
0: like, uh, I had to like lock the door and go somewhere and I can't go home and check again? Yeah. God yeah. damn, that is hell. Is, is <laughs> you the want the to oven? know what hell
2: is? Is the oven on? No. Did I leave the oven on? The yeah, it's horrifying.
3: We closed it, didn't we? Could have sworn we did. Uh, Fuck. Now I got to go look. You know what?
2: Like like uh, uh, I could just see if imagine poor Austin on a trip with us three guys cuz it would be that. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> we yeah. all
5: live in different well, areas. I'm looking at
0: Austin and I feel like this is hitting home. I don't know.
5: I feel like he's being quiet, no, but I, I you're sparking a lot of chords and i, I again <laughs> he's like please
0: stop you're triggering me no. yeah, <laughs> right 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 yeah. but i,
5: I you know you have all those thoughts too or it and it does become addicting to sort of let your yeah. mind get carried with that and like mm-hmm. really sort of uh lean into it at times i i i, I go through any experience and think oh yeah like i i want to continue feeling this way it feels
0: yeah yeah uh, somewhat well because it's a known right it's a no. Yeah. So you're like, you're like, well, if I know how it feels and nothing else can take me off guard because I, I know what I'm dealing
5: with. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you don't even know what you're dealing with <laughs> because yeah. you didn't ask yourself what you're
5: dealing with. Right. And 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 the people around you sort of look at you and I don't there's a certain perception about it where maybe they're not even aware of what's happening, but the way yeah. that you perceive it, you're sort of um, <laughs> you're really kind of trying to rectify your situation in that yeah. in that sense that because you know what else do you have? I mean, um, it's it's a it's a lonely journey we live on, and yeah, um, the mind the mind has, is extremely important to continue to educate yourself on and um, learning through these experiences and just through this you know small conversation. Again, I, I'm learning a lot from Jamie today.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's hearing things he's never heard before, but Austin's also heard things nobody else has heard before. We've had some very interesting <laughs> conversation.
4: Sure. I, yeah. I,
0: I, Dude, It's just, it's so much fun to like grow. It's so painful. But like (laughs) the second you get past it, like, dude, it took me like two years to like, it took me, I, I've been with my partner for a year and a half now, maybe a little longer. And I'm like, it's still like a month or two ago. It took me that long to one, accept that somebody just loved me, mm-hmm. which is like crazy. Cause like the whole time you're like, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Oh, that's great. You know, like mm-hmm. really into it. Right. And like, I guess, you know, it just never occurred to me that I wasn't truly accepting it. I was only, always expecting like a backhand with it. Mm-hmm. And when once so I realized that things changed, right? And yeah. then on top of that, like it took me forever until one time in one of my episodes, I was like, I'm saying something to you right now. So you'll respond. <laughs> 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 and they were like, they were like, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) You've been doing that since the beginning. And I was like, no, I haven't. And they're like, yes, you have. And I had to think about it. And I was like, oh, shit. That's what my mom used to do to me all the time. Of course, I've been just perpetuating it. And then, you know, part of dealing with your anxieties and your conditions and stuff like that is like admitting that you're wrong and being okay with like just being wrong. Like, it's fine to be wrong. It's okay. It Mm -hmm. sucks. It can suck, especially if you say or do something that's a bit pretentious or maybe a bit all consuming. Um, because then you have to admit that you were kind of being fucked up for a second. But you know, like that's
5: I, still important. I love being wrong. I think it's I, right.
0: Isn't it's, it fun?
5: <laughs> it's one of the first things that I bring up in any conversation. If I feel that I'm any any which way that I'm wrong, I will admit to the situation immediately because it helps deflate things. But also, it gives you a sense of like I'm not really all that important. You know, yeah.
0: sort of in the large scale sort of kind yeah. of guiding
5: through this thing and um it's you know it's a daily living experience to just continue growing that's a, yeah that's, you're gonna be
0: wrong all the time yeah. and in yeah. fact if you're living right you should be wrong all the time because you should be allowing new information in you should be allowing new experiences to happen yeah, yeah. and and that's that's something i think that's really important to understand too is like uh, with the work that like say austin and i are doing we're always looking for the next step forward like how not only in terms of artistic quality of ourselves but like what changes us as people you know because we're doing some stuff right now where this stuff's like hard to look at and Absolutely. but it needs to be said it needs to be done and um you know with that being said uh you were saying you know i, I well i think everything we've been saying is is to say that everybody shares an experience even if we don't see it that way yep. and that's part of the work too is like normalizing the conversation normalizing the vulnerability too is like a chant is all metaphorical and as much as it is sorry i just got a burst of pollen in my face how nice is that <laughs> it's a gift from you guys thank you you're welcome <laughs> oh, we just uh, blew it down
3: <laughs> now you know how we feel
0: that was incredible accuracy <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's really important to be able to, to be open with people. And I think, too, you know, one of the things I got uh, with the chant in, in terms of the reception is a lot of people were like, you know, I don't know if I'm willing to say I have a condition or mm-hmm. willing to say if I deal with, say, strict depression or anxiety or panic or any of these things. But what I do deal with is isolation. And I mm-hmm. think you nailed it with the isolation because I understand it. Like, even if I'm not paranoid schizophrenic or if I'm not, like, Always manic, I still understand. Like, I'm inside right now and it's a global pandemic. I can't go mm-hmm. anywhere.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And if I go, I can't see people's faces, which is like your number one social criteria for interaction because you can't tell what somebody's saying, thinking, or feeling if you can't see them. Right. And so right. it, it becomes a different thing. And then, yeah. you know, on top of that, you know, people are like now dealing with something that they always have had to deal with but they're they never took the time to so they're stuck inside um, you can be addicted you could be literally just dealing with yourself mm-hmm. and facing yourself head-on and that's incredibly difficult for people you know and and the more we talk about it the more, we're open about it, and it becomes like a fun thing, like this, where we're like, "Yo, you suffer from you know craziness too? I'm crazy. Yeah. You're All crazy. Know, let's so talk about I. that." Get I the think, fuck out. <laughs> yeah, you know, There's a kinship in it, and I think I think it's important, especially with my work. And I said this before too. It's like a chant doesn't show solutions. It doesn't. It just shows where I was at the moment, right? Mm. And I didn't have solutions, also, then, but now I do. Yeah, go ahead. Also,
5: disorder. Of, of a day in the life of somebody who lives in that experience and yeah. that's probably the majority of the work that's been yeah. happening thus far you, you do you do take on that day in the life aspect where it could just be a normal conversation and it could lead der- different ways in which you're discussing yeah. it and the way that each character is perceiving it but ultimately yeah I, I i personally think that a chant was really just the day in the life of of the constant array of issues that you're going through mentally, and yeah. how are you able to over- overcome those barriers? If you can, or do you continue? Your it's a it's a really tough suffering that you have to go through in those day to day experiences, and a lot of it does feel timeless in the way that it's being orchestrated because of its disorder. And um, yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting in- interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, well, I remember. Um, you know, one of the things that Austin and I originally talked about was, you know, there was a big conversation on intent.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what's yeah. what's the intention behind this line? What's the intention behind this action? And I had to explain to him like, well, there is no intent. And he's like, well, how do I act non-intent? I'm like, well, I, you know, that's a good question. And and you know, because he he doesn't deal with what I deal with. And 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 at the time, of course, he didn't know I was putting a lot of my experience into it Mm -hmm. i'm not paranoid schizophrenic but i've had schizophrenic tendencies since i was a child i mean like i said i was so wound up that i when i smoked pot i gave myself seizures so like you know imagine that kind of like pent upness. and so trying to i couldn't even tell you like how much of my life was in the film at the time because i was so close to it but like again i saw the last cut and i was like holy shit like my partner's not gonna want to watch this (laughs) (laughs) like Bella's not going to want to do that because she's going to be like, well, I'm just watching you do your thing. It's just Austin wearing you as a, like, he's, you know, you're just wearing Austin as a mask. I'm like, dude, just chill. I, she didn't say that. I said that. But, you know, that's pretty much how it came down to it. And and having to explain myself at the time was so weird because I did have an, an, an idea, but I didn't even equate it to myself. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then trying to explain to Austin what a mental breakdown was without even knowing that I suffered from mental breakdowns. <laughs> was like so fascinating I think well, from, I mean I was, <clears throat> me.
5: there's only so much words that you can say about yeah, it I yeah I think the way that you describe it 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 always makes sense to me I'm always like okay that I can lean in that route and you know it's so funny again I talk about the preparation but it really does boil down to like what's gonna be happening in the moment because then I start to relive as if it's your experience where I I, and I'm not fully aware of it, you know. It's it's yeah. it's the way that you've drawn into the yeah. the piece and saying, you know, this is um this is its space to be, yeah. you know, given its closure, and ultimately you don't really know what's going to happen, so. Let's let's see what you can do here, like <laughs> in action, you know? And well
0: there was also a, a matter of rehearsal. The way that we did it was very interesting because there's only one scene where Austin's with anybody else but himself. Mm. And that's with Aaron Ford, who plays the character of brother. And I, I when we we last saw each other austin and i in person he was like yeah and then aaron was like over in the corner like fucking slapping himself around and what the fuck's up with that and and the thing is is like we did our whole thing together basic blocking and lines and delivery and then i took them separately and gave them individual narratives and gave them things that the other person didn't know about and then uh had them approach it from a standpoint that you know in an individual standpoint instead of a group standpoint of well this is a conversation and so you know Aaron comes in and he's all like well I've been tasked with extracting information from Austin so I'm beating myself up literally over the fact that I'm like farming my brother for information and like only adding to his sickness whereas like Austin would never fucking know that Austin just read the script and and it's just like his brother like Hey, where's the car? Where's the house? Like, were you fucking like lazy or something? And like, that's what it comes down to and him trying to defend himself. On the other hand, Austin, I'm like, you know, you got to think about the character where you're at. You have no idea what time and space is. You're totally in flux all the time. Everything, everything is reactive for you. You're scared of everything. You trust nothing. And then on top of that being like, oh, by the way, you're not allowed to sleep. (laughs) Really? Uh And you're going to be confined mostly to one, literally a single spot for most of these shoots, uh, these shots that we're doing. Um, So you can understand what it's like to be not only isolated, but also like immobile. And then to have like no fucking clue what this other person is doing Right. And that's exactly what came out in his stories on set, which is like, he's over there, like freaking the fuck out, what's that about? And like, he has no idea. And it's, it's only adding to the, to the confusion and the the
5: energy there. Well, and the only way for me to describe that is <clears throat> just right now is basing it off of like a theme park ride. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And yeah. the fact that you have these sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that you have all these sort of players, you know, instigating these different things on me, yeah. you know, I would have never known that, you know, and, and you don't bring those things up to me. Like it's, and that's the form of transparency where that
0: may be the first time that he's ever heard that.
5: (laughs) And, um, you know, the way that I'm sort of gliding through it as well, like I have my own things to deal with as well as Aaron, as well as Jamie when it's on set and, you know, it's all just very personal. And I think that's what Jamie's so good at when we're really calming ourselves and doing it because, you know, acting, it feels sort of pretentious in its onset, but it's it's because of the fact that you're cry, you're trying to pry open what you really are and what you're doing, and your self awareness is sort of being just completely unblocked, and you have yeah. to do the bare essentials. It's like a caveman, mm. you know, trying to light a fire. You know, you don't even know what it is yet. You know, even just being <laughs> on set yesterday, I was under these. Disastrous conditions. I mean, it's like forty degrees. It's windy, like extremely windy. Yeah, and exactly. I'm like sitting here, kind of prying the scene, and I'm, I'm having to think about it the whole time because, in all actuality, I'm just freezing, and I don't, I don't really, <clears throat> I don't really have a sense of like what my character's doing. It's really based <laughs> on like it's, it's really fucking cold, and <laughs> I just have to get it done, like no matter yeah. what, and. Yeah. I feel like that's so true to how just our life is run though. If I if I was really outside in that freezing cold weather, yeah. I would feel the exact same way and be like, man, I can't be here right now. I don't want to be here. I have no desire for this. But that doesn't come down in the script, you know? It's it yeah, it's just being sort of this um You have sim- to actually live it. Exactly. And you have to embody it. So that's what's so fascinating about movie making in, in general is just the the constant fantasy that you put yourself in, and again, yeah. it's just a real, complete realness. Yeah. <laughs> real complete. Real, realness.
0: real, complete realness. I like that. that we, should, just, get, uh, we should get a shirt. Yeah, appreciate I people in real, it. complete realness. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: you nailed it, yeah. Austin. For for people that don't understand or maybe underappreciate acting in any sort of form, is that. Yes, it's this fantasy thing, but you have real conditions and you're trying to be yeah, absolutely yeah. true to this fantasy thing and, of course, in this kind of a project to let people know who have experienced none of these things with mental illness <laughs> yeah. exactly what it's like and go. Right. Make it easy. Yeah, it's right. like, fuck you. <laughs>
0: it is a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's rough. And I remember Austin being like, like – we'd have to get him amped up because a lot of these shots are like mid emotion in the Mm. film where he's already like you know freaking out and so you have to like you you can't there's no easing into it you don't just go Okay, action uh we'll give you 10 minutes to warm up although we did it off screen we can't do it on screen mm. and so um just because of the way the shots were listed and that, that might be uh, something i have to think about in the future but <laughs> mm. <laughs> but i asked austin to do, to do a lot like to really embody that chaotic thing and i even like orchestrated things down to like he knew aaron ford like they're pretty good friends at a younger age mm. and he hadn't seen aaron in a while and i just was like hey aaron you're coming in and he's like cool i can only do it for a day and i was like perfect don't really talk to austin <laughs> <laughs> and to have that like that like moment of like trying to reconnect and it not fully like you know going in or like having the ability to even do that it's like i know it's a, a bit manipulative but that is what we're there for and the characters are sure. literally living out those events in the script so there's even more of like a level of like discombobulation and i think i think austin took a real fucking leap with me because i literally met him at a cafe through a friend and went yeah i have no work i have nobody to talk to speak of in terms of like my art I am out of college. I am broke as fuck. I'm going to make a movie about paranoid schizophrenia. Do you want to be in it? And the industry, you know, the indie film industry is like, you get promised these things and then you don't, you don't do them. Yeah. Or you do them in such poor conditions. You never want to do it again. (laughs) And, uh, he was like, yeah, dude. I was like, cool, trust me. And then, and then, you know, for somebody to take that like leap into, you know, unwittingly into a crazy person's territory where he's trying to, express things. It's pretty cool, you know?
5: But here's, but here's the here's the reality, yeah. is that you're not focused <laughs> into the unknown of what it is. I, I feel like every time I've had a conversation with Jamie, I just sort of scratch my head and think, man, can we really do this? Like, well, does this really make sense? And every time <laughs> there's some form of plan or execution that's being brought up and backed where I feel so sure of it in the moment, and it doesn't really matter what I think of it, you know? Because at the end of the day, like he he has these ideas and uh, sort of plans to take out that I, I'm not fully aware of. So it, again, it's just this mental journey that I go through every day. And uh, you know, as of these two years so far, I've just it's been a ride. i I keep saying that, and I know I keep saying that, but it's it's true. And uh, yeah, he you know, had no
0: idea. I, he had no idea who I was, by the way. Like <laughs> when I say like we met through acquaintances, I mean like I said I need to cast something. And one of our longtime friends, mutual friends, was like, I know somebody who just moved here too. Oh, man. And uh, and so. Well, and that's the
5: thing too, is I, yeah, I like knew of your background, but like, I'm not mm-hmm. like the, like, I was never a big fan of Lincoln Park. So I never even understood like, like How I dare knew you? Jamie. Were so. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, Lee, no, right, you mean right, Lincoln right.
0: fucking park? You weren't a fan? Come on. Right. Dude.
2: Right. you and your but then, tastes you know, <laughs> and opinions that are all your own
5: god right exactly. yeah and, god,
0: quit being autonomous dude i can't handle it how dare you <laughs> but
5: but Mimi's just always been so interesting and and i, I never really had the two connect i, sure. I just never even put that to the face because it did it doesn't really matter to me it, it's good. never really yeah it's it's been it's been really fun and um Again, as I continue listening, I'm just uh, having these experiences where I'm like, wow, like Jamie, that's crazy. Like, I don't even, how did you yeah. pull that out? Like, yeah. You know, it's a lot of things of, of books and yeah. pictures that he finds where I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm enthralled, I'm enthused, so.
0: Well, we're actually working on something right now, awesome. which I think pertains to the same thing we've been talking about, which is mental health and the understanding of human beings. And um, I mentioned this in my Instagram live. I don't know if anybody listening now is, you know, following me on Instagram or any of my social media, but I do some lives and I explained, you know, we're working on a proof of concept for a feature film that we want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, basically Austin and I collaborated on this film called Crimson River. Uh, Do you want to describe it, Austin?
6: Yeah.
5: It was, uh, it was just something I had wrote a few years back more towards high school. I just had this general idea, but um, it's kind of just this brother riding through his turmoils of grief um, as he loses um, somebody he loved, but he didn't really have any choice to express that um, in any capacity. And it's sort of just taking place in this small modern day Western town and uh he's just kind of going through the motions of you know why why do i not feel a sense of loss or grief to this person um and what are my thoughts really dictating as i'm as i'm sort of continuing my ride in this town it's it's just been something i've really kind of been hung up on because i remember more towards high school i was i was really kind of going through those same issues where i was constantly looking behind me and i was like I really shouldn't be doing this because it's not helping me in any way, but yet that's, what's clouding my thoughts. And it's not even bringing me to a moment to have a conversation where I'm there, you know? So, and we all have those same issues, but, so I just kind of like put that into paper and, you know, it's, it's been a very small idea. And thanks to Jamie, it's become this sort of living thing again, where it's, uh, I don't even know what it is yet. And that's, (laughs) that's that's the best part about it too. It's like, you know, discovering what it is. Exactly. The full form of discovery is essential to this. And, um, I think
0: it's, it's like, it's not, not knowing what it is. I think specifically for Austin and and if I'm being presumptuous, please, you know, let me know. Uh, because you know, this is, (laughs) you wrote this off your own experiences. So, you know, um, what I did was just revised it and, and you know, helped you put the the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Um, so, you know, this is yours. And, and what I think it is, is that we all know what it is. We know what the film is. It's about yeah. a brother who is bogged down by the trials and tribulations and conditionings of his family, which they don't have his best interest in mind. And he, he's in the self-imposed isolation because his brother is using his acquired influence to do bad things. Mm and he's disparaged because of it mm-hmm. and um i think i think what more to say about it in context of austin is like not necessarily i don't know what's going on but i don't know how I, i'm going to embody it because it is such a close to home situation but also something foreign enough because that's really what he's doing is his character is being totally in denial of the death of his brother for A long time and and people are even mad at him for not even addressing the fact that his brother was killed. So it's like, you know, but then he doesn't feel anything towards like, hey, I need to explain that to somebody. And so it's a Western, but it's a neo-Western in the sense that almost all tropes of the Western have been completely inverted. Uh, We have a cast of LGBTQ plus members at the front as side characters, the the friend group that um, Richard Black keeps around. Uh, we have a protagonist who's not going to revenge his brother, which uh, has been a criticism of ours. Is that uh, uh our uh, Liam Neeson character didn't get back on that revenge too quick? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "But where does he shoot people?" And you're like, "He's not going to shoot people. He's a fucking real dude, dude. Not- <laughs> you know, you're- if your brother gets killed by a gang, you don't take on the whole fucking gang. That's taking shit." Yeah, that's Charles uh, Bronson. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not realistic. So no. um, our goal here is to you know, create something realistic in, in, in terms of its uh, perception of grief and the human character and how you Absolutely. can have all of these seemingly dis- disconnected moments and still be more connected than the people who are criticizing you for being disconnected because um, Ultimately, the character of Richard Black is very intelligent and very introspective and has a very solid ground for what he's doing and how he's doing it. He's just not accepted in in a social sense.
4: Mm.
0: And and I think a lot of people go through that where, like, you know, something happens and they respond differently than what's expected of them. And then people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? (laughs) You know, you should be doing this. And they're like, but I don't feel that. Am I supposed to fake it? (laughs) You know? And, uh, so right now we're working on a proof of concept that takes place, um, a little under three years before the feature length film, um, following, you know, Richard, our protagonist, um, on the eve of the night where he decides to enter that self-imposed isolation. Um, we get to see the things that lead up to it, the social contexts, whether it was his fault or somebody else's fault or what, you know, what the motivation was behind Uh saying, fuck all of you, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. Um, and that's, you know, Austin is Richard black. So, um, you know, we're just trying to keep it as honest as possible as often as possible
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, those, cool. for those watching and listening of course click in the uh, description we do have the, uh, the links not only to uh, information and to check out a uh, Chant but also these gentlemen on social media um, yeah. gentlemen when we wrap up we like to, to leave the guests with the last word and some words of positivity especially with, that we focused oh, on mental health in this area but we do random questions first are you guys ready We'll ask you each I, the same uh, question. I'm always ready. Okay. I'm always
0: ready.
3: Up to you, Mike. Go first. What is your guilty pleasure, or if you have any? Austin, why don't you go first? Guilty
5: pleasure. Eating ice cream. That's uh that's a really <laughs> guilty pleasure.
0: You mean eating food is your guilty pleasure, man? No, but more so in the sense <laughs> that
5: I, I feel horrible every time I have to buy it because it's like it it really is like it's addicting i'm like i gotta stop i gotta stop eating it but i buy it in pints so i know that i'm like trying to insert <laughs> you don't buy the sugar big old addiction drums. Of
2: them.
0: yeah the no.
5: costco size <laughs>
2: fucking drum just
5: find austin that.
2: sitting in the corner i had to do you play a guy with mental health issues well.
0: <laughs> just sugar it out <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: i had ice cream no, last sweet. night I, I get you
0: so uh, did i Oh, yeah. well, look at us! Um, All bonding. Well, I got, I got kids, you know. <laughs> I had ice. Cream I'm dealing with yeah, yeah, right, right, right. yeah, I had some fucking. We don't ice. have excuses. We we Come just in. like eating ice cream. <laughs> That's right. No, I have a sugar addiction, so I, I understand that 100. What about um, you, Jamie?
2: Guilty pleasure of any sort. Guilty pleasure. Is there
0: guilty about? Oh, hold on. I'm gonna do, let me, dude. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna think about that for a second. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> I'm feeling so many eyes here. I don't know. <laughs> That's all. Look away. No, all look away. Was so- look, look yeah, thank uh, you. Uh, maybe uh, I, I obsessively intake things that I love mm-hmm. and I like repeatedly just sh- don't shut the fuck up about them. And I also mm-hmm. like will consume repeatedly. So I would say my guilty pleasure is obsessing over things that probably shouldn't be obsessed over. If anybody's ever heard me talk about Dune, that's one of them. Well, I heard you mention... Legion, that's one of them. I heard you mention
2: Lynch, and I was like, oh, maybe a Dune guy. I'm looking forward to
0: it. I'm on the fourth book right now. God Emperor is some heady shit. Um, But no, I'm a huge fan of David Lynch, and he's actually someone that I have obsessed over. I've seen the whole Twin Peaks return 18-hour extravaganza probably four times all the way through, and I want to watch it again before I... Head off on the road here because I'm going to live on the road for a bit. I don't have a DVD player, so what the fuck is that? But now I I I get obsessive. I love it. I just I love finding people with big things to say and then really just committing to them. I'm a I again forty Stephen King novels. I've read like five Haruki Murakami novels, which it sounds like a little, but Haruki's got a big ass body of work, and everything he does has like forty million different interpretations. So. (laughs) It's pretty dense. You know, Noah Hawley is one of my big guys. I fucking love Fargo and Legion and everything Noah Hawley does. I, I will not shut up if I get started. So <laughs> I would just say obsessing over things that I find interesting is my guilty pleasure because I do it daily.
2: Deep dive of binging. Deep dive yeah. of binging. Jason, right you're up. I'll let, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, f- this is always a fun one. Austin, favorite curse word.
5: <laughs> I I do use fuck a lot yeah, yeah that would be a good one, that's a good it's, one. The, it's the best one it, yeah.
3: it, it really so is so versatile the yeah. strongest it really one is. Is.
5: it is the strongest one so it's like the most explicit I feel like well and you yeah. can be yeah. said
3: in so many different ways like fuck or fuck fuck yeah, you know what man. I mean like it's yeah. just it's so yeah what
4: do
0: they say it can it's be a, pain it can be happiness it can be excitement yeah. it can be total fucking misery yeah you exactly. <laughs> could be hungry it? totally full you There's could like, just really want ice cream <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck I need that or oh, oh my fucking god I can't put any more on this body Snickers you know? ice cream fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh shit <laughs> uh Jamie same one uh yeah, immediately "cunt" comes to mind. I think <laughs> yeah. "cunt" is an excellent word. It has that, that uh, syllabic punch.
4: Right.
0: The, it's, it's the T and the C at the beginning. The "cunt"
4: mm-hmm. part
0: that just really fucking get, it gets people every time. It's really every aggressive.
4: Time. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's really aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's it's that it's those consonants, and so it's 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 great. It's not as versatile as "fuck," but if you say "cunt," you you know that person meant it. Oh yeah. Like you know that that's reserved. And the thing is, it's like, I love the word fuck. I say shit and fuck all the time. I was raised by a rock star. I have the mouth of a fucking trucker. Mm -hmm. I, I keep it relatively wound down just in case people are sensitive to it. But generally I don't give a shit. And, um, there are certain words which are just multifaceted like shit, fuck or Jesus Christ. That's a good one. But if you say cunt, you know that you fucked up, Mm -hmm. you know that (laughs) somebody's in trouble. And that that person is absolutely livid and I don't use it a lot, you know?
4: Oh yeah.
2: It's,
0: there are very uh, few times I even use it in a joking
4: capacity. It's, it's a powerful
2: punch, <laughs> especially really if is. you put behind like a, like some sort of like European accent, like, Oh yeah, we fucking can get over it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like,
4: oh,
0: is, is oh, it's great. on. Cause that, well that's, I feel like that's the way that <laughs> was on. actually meant to be said. Right. I, I can't do it now and I won't try cause I'll embarrass myself, but, um, I have been known to be very good at a Scottish accent at, at some distant point uh, in my life. And cunt was one of the best things. It feels nice.
2: Right. It just it feels it flows. Good. It just flows in the moment.
4: Yeah.
3: All right, Mike, No, no arguments got. with cunt feels nice. I totally agree with you guys. <laughs> uh, all right. If you were stuck on a deserted island, what one movie and one album would you guys bring? One movie and one album. I know. When we came really? up with this, we're like, "Oh, this one." Who one's wants gonna... to go first? Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm not going to go first, but I will ask a question in return. Sure. Uh, what What are the specific parameters of a film, a movie? Mm. Because technically, the return is 18 hours. It's a movie cut up into pieces because it had to be aired on television, not because of any other reason. You so can go with it. If the, that'll work, like a mini series, we'll, sure. we'll allow it.
3: We'll allow it. Mini series <laughs> works. <laughs>
0: Miniseries? Okay. But if
2: you pick Star Wars, it's only one.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's not going to be episode one, two, or three. Uh, uh, go ahead. Are you kidding me? You don't like Attack of the Clones?
2: I love, actually, I'm a huge Star Wars nut. My hobby is building Star Wars Legos that keeps me I, out I of love trouble. Star Wars, and I love, I, so I love them all. I'm just being a I just,
0: I just had a long ass conversation about how George Lucas is an asshole because somebody had to go in and flesh out the rule of two for the Sith. And. I had to explain how badass the Sith actually are based on philosophy. It's not fun when you have to do it and you're the only one who gets it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I would have backed you up on that. But anyways, anyways, all right. So, one movie can be a mini series, or you know, done in the series and album.
5: Yeah, I um, I get a little nostalgic when I say this, so I would probably say The Wizard of Oz being the movie, and then uh, the album probably being um all that you can't leave behind you too
2: oh nice you why, two why, why wizard and of oz wizard of oz
5: yeah why why wizard <laughs> yeah. of oz
2: cuz i'm i'm getting that there's like there's like uh you know like a, That's a great. like a mom and dad like family thing or like grandma or something cuz there's a reason yeah. you're saying wizard of oz there
5: there's yeah. definitely um a rewatchability to that film obviously i mean it's been such a historic thing to have happened and um i don't know there the color schemes the 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 performances the the music that's in it it's so intrinsic um in just who i am i guess I, I think uh there's just a lot of i don't know there's a lot of excitement filled to it even though obviously the history behind it was very detrimental sure um i i i, I, don't, I just have a close belonging to that film because of the the subject that plays into it the fantasy of it yeah. Um, that's probably my thoughts. And then all that you can't leave behind is just another type of album where I think I was probably around six or seven that was replayed in the house a lot. And, um, our family's a huge fan of you too. And uh, yeah, we've just continued to continue to watch their stuff. So that's so cool. you're more. not
0: mad. You're not mad that Apple forced that on everybody.
5: No, I. <laughs> you I was, you well,
0: thought it was it was Christmas for you.
5: Unfortunately, yeah, I was very thrilled to have that, and I had a lot of conversations. You
4: know, for you?
5: Obviously, with, you know, like, how could you? Like why? Why, why would I believe in this? It's like you guys. Like I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just enjoying a free album. You know, yeah. that's all. Yeah,
0: that happens, yeah. So. There's nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. I appreciate your honesty, Austin.
5: What, what's yours, Jamie? Yeah, Jamie,
0: you're, you're I, up. I don't know. I, I'm thinking about it, and I always say that Tranquility-Based Hotel and Casino by the Arctic Monkeys is my favorite album of all time. But I've also been doing them a disservice to a certain degree because I've been just diving headfirst into Pink Floyd.
6: Hmm. Oh, I love Pink Floyd.
0: And they're so fucking good. It's really hard to be like picky, even just with the album that I like the most
4: because mm-hmm.
0: they're all so well-rounded. But like, whereas I love Tranquility Base and Hotel, uh, Tranquility Base, Hotel and Casino for the fact that it is whimsical and imaginative and and I feel like a free, like totally free embodiment of creativity and authentic to Alex Turner. I think I, the same can be said t- to Roger Waters, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm listening to the wall right now and really diving into that, which is just a fucking phenomenal uh, look at society in such a broad sense that it doesn't matter what country you're from. Yeah. Um, and he's right. He's right about a lot of things. I don't care how bad his attitude was. I don't care if he spit on his fans. I don't care. <laughs> he's really, really good. Um, and he's even he's assholes bring up good points. Well, but that's what, but the reason he was an asshole in my opinion is because what he was saying was true and he was trying to deal with it himself sure. and, and, you know, he was suffering. So I feel like at this moment in time, given the material that I'm working on and given the thing that I'm trying to get to in my career, um, I would say that dark side of the moon is a seminal piece of literature. I, Cannot stop listening to it. At, every time, it's just right, and um, the wall is really good. But I do actually really, really, really appreciate. Wish you were here yeah. um, as a as like a refined piece. I mean, it's like forty minutes long versus an hour and thirty minutes.
5: I'm that somebody did a YouTube video on playing the Dark Side of the Moon with the Wizard of oh, Oz, Oz and it timing perfectly, and then when Dude, they first that- went into Oz. <laughs> Money starts playing when they first get into Oz, and uh, that's so cool. (laughs) See, and that's the
0: thing. That album specifically, it's set at such a because when you're in it, the energy it makes it feel so much quicker and more, you know, like um, energetic than it is. Yeah, it's it's purely because of the way it was performed. Um, It feels like it's something different when you listen to it from front to back. You don't realize how slow the album actually is. Uh Um, And, and it's at, it's at that beats per minute where like you just, you know, it's meant to reflect the heartbeat or that, that reflective like 75 to 85 beats per minute, which is roughly where your heart sits when you're resting. And so you tune into it naturally. And then on top of that, you put it on top of anything and it, it always times out perfectly to whatever you just put it against. I, I was watching nature docu's with uh, with this album on in the background. And when these like big, like dramatic, you know, they're like hippos coming out of the water and like flashing their, the water off their head, just like birds, like chasing wolves and shit. And you're like, it's like breathe, breathe in the air. You're like, okay, well, this is just, it, not only is it fucking hilarious, but it's, it's incredibly good comedy where it's not detriment it's not demeaning to anybody it's not (laughs) at the expense of anybody it's just good Mm -hmm. so i would say wish you were here or dark side of the moon at this at this moment would be my two top picks i know that's not the question so i'll say uh dark side of the moon because it's more general and then uh my favorite film honestly too many. I have too many. Mm. I just, I, cause I enjoy everything to the fullest. So like yeah. when I see somebody's work, I just, I'm just like, dude, you're just fucking great. And I just, it's more of an appreciation of the person. So it's hard to rip that work out as a specific thing of like, I like that more, but I would say the thing that made me feel the best that like made me like teary eyed and shit is, um, either the Steven universe, uh, companion film between steven universe the proper show and Steven steven universe future uh, with spinel that shit made me cry i don't know why mm. i just steven universe always cuts to my to my soul and makes me realize like everything's okay and it hurts sometimes to realize that that movie never cried during cartoon <laughs> i cried during this cartoon um, but i would actually say that maniac as a miniseries was my most heartfelt choice because the ending is so so heavy in the sense that it's so liberating
4: because
0: mm-hmm. at the end of the thing you, you you're like are they going to be a relationship in terms of like boyfriend and girlfriend or are they going to like be romantically involved or is she not real or like what's going on because you know you're you're in this like emotional, psychological turmoil with these characters. And then it just comes down to, I'm getting you out of this place because I know you deserve better. And I know that you didn't have the best shot at life. So we're gonna try to have a better shot together. And it doesn't matter what that costs me because I care about you. And I'm gonna do that with you. And that that to me is like the the thesis of everything that I've ever done and will continue to do in terms of work, so.
4: Love
0: it. that that's I, every time I watch it, I get I get like, oh, <laughs> it's so cool, yeah. Go guys, go. You know. Oh shit. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, my answer. Excellent. It's my long-winded answer. You got the full answer. <laughs>
2: got the full thought. <laughs> Thank you for laying it all out. You no, know, it's you're giving yeah. the full thought process. Uh, Austin, um, having uh, uh, kind of your final word. Tackled such a, a, an interesting project with Jamie uh diving in and gaining more of an understanding of of mental health what, what kind of positive words can you lend to anyone or individuals maybe someone in their family that struggled with any sort of mental health issues and um yeah yeah
5: i think uh i think my message is um that's a that's a tough <laughs> <Which question. one? laughs> i know i'm, I'm interested <laughs> i um uh-huh. i think uh at the end of the day everything's going to be okay and that's kind of the the notion i try and ride as having my anchor to sort of facilitate that and um yeah it just it means a lot of things but that's sort of the the general sentence i use when mm-hmm. when thinking about it because mm-hmm. life's so interesting in it's positive and negative ways and you know the more that you're experiencing things the more that you're realizing how stupid you really are i mean i i (laughs) i I don't know it's it's been it's i i I think that's the biggest precedent is like we don't know a lot about this so everything's gonna be okay and um continue continue enjoying life to the fullest for sure absolutely Jamie, what about you? It's going to be
0: growing and you're always going to be, yeah. Oh, that's probably, that's pretty much it. I'm tagging on to that. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything is new if you want it to be. And you just have to try hard enough. Um, and it, you know, as long as you keep trying, everything will work out just fine. Uh, if you, if you want examples, I'm a prime example. I've been just trying over and over again. I can't tell you how many times i failed. I can't tell you how many times I hurt somebody. Uh, but what matters is not, um, you know what you're doing now it matters where you're going to be it's a journey Mm -hmm. and um as i i wrote for austin the other day um in this proof of concept um the identity of the whole is the sum of its parts not its individual pieces and so you can go about doing a bunch of things that you may not appreciate now but you will appreciate later um yeah And it's just a matter of the fact that he's right. You know, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about the human psychology. We, we might think we do, but we've been looking in the wrong places and now we're looking in the right places. So it's a new frontier. You know, you've got to be open to change, open to the flow. Everything, everything is fine and it will be okay. And you know, just because, um, know, it, what it's Haley Williams, she's paramour. Mm -hmm. Uh, she says you know if there's resistance make it your friend uh because that's the truth of the matter is like you learn from every single thing you do and even if something turns out wrong there's still there's still a lesson in there right and uh as long as you're prepared to understand that and not take yourself too seriously i think everything's going to turn out just fine
2: austin gold jamie yeah i want to thank go ahead
5: I wanted to thank you guys for even having this podcast too. Like I yeah. think you guys are having a lot of great conversations with people and oh, thank you. and the topics at hand that you're going through. It's it's an extremely important thing. And, you know, I think especially in now in today's society, it's become paramount. And um, I think we're learning to understand that. And again, just showing my appreciation for you guys. I think it's, it's a really good um, thing you got going on here
2: well thank, yeah, you, thank you, you for that appreciate that, that, that means a lot to us you know it's really yeah. just uh, two jackasses who've been through you know varying <laughs> shit and uh we just try to show people that hey you know as we've done this podcast i've learned recovery isn't just related to addiction it's you know it's mental health yeah. it's physical health it's yeah so many different things yeah. that, that that constantly in life we're gonna have these challenges and like you said jamie i always loved the, the saying there there's uh, there are no losses only lessons and victories and yep and we all go through recovery and recovery isn't going backwards to a way but it's moving forward and how do we continue to thrive and um, you know we're just two guys that like to have a lot of fun in that reality and and be like (laughs) we can take this shit too serious or we can have a good sense of humor and just go or we can laugh
0: about it exactly
2: exactly we can make
0: it's Lincoln fucking park Joe. I was going <laughs> to say Austin, I'm surprised that
3: album to take on the deserted Island. Wasn't Lincoln park for you. I kind of thought that <laughs> yeah. that's where it was. going. But... Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, come on. I mean, what a hybrid? Right. So 20 much, 20 years? I don't
0: understand. No, I, I'm super grateful too, for this. And oh, um, I, I, you know, I try to put that uh, gratitude into words as, me- as much as possible. So if it didn't come across before in our correspondence, you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this. I appreciate the um, openness for which you've received us with and um, for keeping everything so fun. This is probably one of the more fun conversational (laughs) things I've done. This is cool. I like it.
2: Jamie Bennington and Austin Gold. Appreciate those gentlemen jumping on, discussing the chant, as well as uh, Jamie really jumping back, you know, into his childhood, a lot of his traumas, his mental health struggles, and, you know, how he handles it.
3: Well, you know, it's, um, it's crazy to think, like, Like I said, I've, I have crazy anxiety as does he, we have a lot in common, but people handle it so much differently. You know, like he was talking about, it's either a zero or an 11 for him. It's no in between. And for me, it's like, I mean, you know, me, you see me all the time when I have it, it's I'll just get up, go for a walk or I like the, I'm not loud at all. If anything, I'm more quiet Yeah. or I'll just go splash cold water on my face. Moral of the story is that, you know, every, not everyone, a lot of people have it. But it's dealt with so differently. So it's interesting to hear how other people deal with theirs. Yeah, I'm with you. I got to be left alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm talking like fetal position in a dark room. Like if it gets really bad, a lot of people are like, well, you know, try this or try that. And it's just like, you can't really, I mean, if you have it, then You can give pointers as to what they do Mm -hmm. to get rid of it. But like I said in the interview, you know, some people are like, dude, just relax. And I'm like, dude, shut the hell up. Because if you don't have it, you can't tell me how to maintain it. Yeah. You know,
2: well, well, that's the thing that Jamie pointed out too. not only talking about uh, mental health, you know, any disorders or stressors and stuff like that, but addiction as well. It's like no one asks. is like, you know what? This is a perfect fucking time for a panic attack. I really want this to go down. We don't have control over it. Your brain kicks into that mode and it's just, how do you manage it? Me, I have to get busy. I want to be alone, but I have to get busy with doing something.
3: i still yet to properly manage it, but we'll get there.
2: Well, we thank you guys for listening, and if uh, this is your first time, please subscribe to the uh, podcast on whatever application you are using. And if it's Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us out. And, hey, the podcast is easy to share with a friend, a loved one. We don't even care if you dislike someone, but as long as you think it's beneficial to them, please send it on over their way. And, of
3: course, next week's guest, uh, Mikey, we've got Jonah Chow. That's right. Jack of all trades, (laughs) voiceover actress, professional football, flag football quarterback. Yeah, she was in that uh, the Disney movie uh, Raya the Last Dragon, which hit Disney
2: Plus. She does uh, voiceover work on that. Lots of other roles. She's got some big stuff coming up that she couldn't tell us about. Plus, on her Instagram, she asked what color hair her regular hair, blonde or red, and I mean like fire engine red. I voted red for the Knocking Doors Down podcast and she went with it and so thanked if us. So, you love Jonah's hair. You have Jason to thank for that. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Mr. Naraki? No, nah, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down.
1: 5150 is a lifestyle we believe in pushing yourself finding your passion knowing your dreams and working hard always striving to make those dreams a reality we believe life's too short to sit back and say what if go after it grab it and make it happen Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knockin' Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com
6: Make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors.